0: All right, it's the DT Difference. It's 30 years experience in the game, DT Systems. E-collars we've been using for a while now, but let's quickly talk about their dummy launchers. They got the Super Pro Dummy Launcher and the Remote Dummy Launcher. It's a great way for you and your dog to get ready for duck season. Loud bangs, make sure your dog's cool with gunfire before you use it. But I want you to add it to your repertoire, bag of tricks, and get you and your dog ready for duck season. It's the Super Pro dummy launcher by dt gunner kennels baby hashtag man's best kennel well it's also now hashtag man's best food crate it's freaking raccoon proof you can't get into this thing your dog can't bust into the lid and eat all the food trust me i know memphis has done it in the past she looks like a blown up pumpkin boom but not anymore we've got the gunner kennel food crate it's easy to pack Easy to store, keeps food dry, which food's an investment, man. That Purina, baby, it ain't cheap anymore. So keep it dry, good, all that stuff. Easy to pack, easy to store. The Gunner Kennel Food Crate. Slide into DMs if you'd like to learn more. Have you wondered if you wanted to force fetch your dog? Maybe you think your dog's too soft. Maybe you're too nervous to screw, quote unquote, screw your dog up. Let me help you. I built a start to finish course with different dogs, different breeds, and different personalities from start to finish to show you how that you and your dog can do it successfully and easy. Jump in. Links in the description. We'd be happy to help you. Let's go. Let's set goals and get you and your dog where you want to be this duck season
1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
0: What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of Lone Ducks, Gundog Chronicles. We've got Nick Adair from Gundog It Yourself live in studio Here in Camden, South Carolina. He took an Easter family road trip to visit family and brought his dogs along and his podcast equipment along. So, well, by golly, let's do a show together. So, we're going to talk to Nick about his adventures with his dogs, how he got started in training dogs, running his own dogs, hunting his dogs, that whole gamut, plus how he started his podcast and, you know, the the future of what that holds. But first, let's get into patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. Um, if you enjoy this show, if we've helped you along the way with your dog, do me a solid. Hop on Patreon. It's like buying me a beer and you get to join the community. So amongst Never before seen videos. We also do Zoom happy hours twice a month where you get to hang out, drink a beer, and talk dogs with me. You've got uh, some different tiers as well where you can have one-on-one calls to help you with your dog. You get discounts on gear. Plus, we're doing a almost all expenses paid trip. <laughs> I don't know exactly how we're working it out, but we're someone on Patreon is going to win a hunt with us in. Mississippi. It's going to be bad to the bone. Uh we're excited to have someone come along. It's a Patreon only hunt. So only Patreon members can come with us, but one lucky member is going to get a chance to win a free hunt with the Lone D. Uh next up, the Force Fetch course. Hot topic, one of the most asked questions in a roundabout way whether it's my dog won't pick up a duck, my dog drops the bumper coming out of the water, my dog keeps failing hunt tests, it's doing this, 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 and this. In a roundabout way, Force Fetch really, really helps, and we designed a course from start to finish, a bunch of different breeds, a bunch of different personalities, showing you how I do it so that you can do it with your dog. The link will be in the description. Check it out. Next up, Man's best kennel, baby, that's Gunner, you know it. They got a bunch of cool gear coming out for this year. Uh, We've been testing a lot of different things. Obviously, I can't talk about it at the moment, but really cool uh, accessories, if you will, that are going to change the game and continue to improve our sport. Plus, when you're riding down the road and it hits the fan, you want your dog protected, ride in a Gunner kennel. You can slide into the DMs, we'll get you into one. Next up... Mm, bismuth baby, that can't that can't cartridge on Instagram, man tell them we sent you um I personally would start stocking up on waterfowl load now, don't wait till duck season, and when you do order that bismuth baby next up from the duck blind to the holding blind it's that Purina, the pro plan thirty twenty that's the food that fuels the truck alone duck. Um, all our adults are on thirty twenty. The younger dogs we keep them on, their' large breed puppy formula for about a year, um depending on their size and all that stuff. You don't want them to grow up too fast, just nice and nice and easy, baby. And then they get transitioned to the thirty twenty. And last but not least, our friends at dT systems, the e collar that we've been rocking for about six months now. Um, the eighteen twenty is what i would suggest to most folks out there they've got a bunch of different other products and lines within it and then one of the cool things that they've got is the dt dummy launcher which you know i don't use a ton because i like to have bird throwers out in the field and or wingers getting the dogs to look out but what i do like using it for is pre-hunting season so you've got gunshot at the line working on steadiness, you are able to throw marks further than a hand thrown will go. I mean, that sucker will zing them out there. Um, and then another little pro tip is I will skip one across the ground, like shoot it right at the ground in front of me and the dog, as if you've got one that's cupped up and lands in the decoys. Super exciting. Um, so I'll use those, uh, as dogs are getting ready to go home and hunt, or my dogs are getting ready to go hunt. We'll intermix that gunshot right at the line nice and loud super exciting potential for a break make a correction etc etc so check out dt systems um and again for someone who wants to get into a unit themselves i'm really liking their 1820 all right nick welcome to the show my friend
1: yeah appreciate you having me down man
0: yeah dude i'm glad we made it happen um it's been a whirlwind last two weeks for me i've gone from South Carolina to Georgia for a hunt test, Georgia to Alabama to train with Adam from the Doghouse podcast, Adam to my buddy Dakota in Alabama, Dakota to here, sleep, train that night, drive to Virginia, ran a field trial and a hunt test, drove back, and now I'm here with you, bud.
1: The, the life of a trainer slash trialer slash just crazy man right psycho yeah i'm running
0: <laughs> running low on steam and now we're preparing to head back to new york uh we're gonna go to charleston first drop a few dogs off spend easter with the the family there and then um we'll we'll make our way to new york yeah. man, so, so, so
1: how long you been doing this this snowbird loop pretty much i think this is my sixth sixth winter Because that's something that I hear talking to all the trainers that I talk to. They always talk about, you know, I wish I could snowbird one way or the other. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm just curious, like, how how wide open did that open up your training opportunities by being able to come down here?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, It definitely changed the game, right? So the first, I think, first and second year as being out on my own, I stayed home. Um, So we were slugging through snow i didn't have a lot of dogs so it was kind of back then okay i mean we could get it done but you're not swimming um you're doing t-pattern <clears throat> you like shoveling snow <laughs> making a t-pattern field you'll throw marks and i would stomp out a landing pad so the snow would be a little more compact so bumpers or ducks would land in that little zone so dogs don't know it or see it but they'd be running through this foot of snow and there'd be the bumper, but I did kicked like a a six or eight foot landing zone that that bumper could land in so they could find it. Um, and we made do, I did more obedience at that time, you know, during the winter months and I had to pay the bills. Um, then the family in Charleston who we've, I mean, they are family to us now, you know, their boys call me uncle Bob and they're just, they're great. Great well, everybody people.
1: calls you Uncle Bob. That's a great point. That's a great point. <laughs> so everybody's family. <laughs> That's true.
0: Um, but they've been good to us. And, and so one year they're like, why don't you come down? we got a place for you to stay. The dogs can stay in our barn and two-acre fenced-in backyard. And I think we did maybe two months that first year. Then the next year we did four months. And then, and that was all in Charleston. And then the third year I split it up. So I did part Charleston, part in Georgia with my buddy Blaine. Same with the following year. And then last year and this year we did Charleston and then came to Camden and are training at our friend Kara's place. Um, you know, should, we're the answer is we're just lucky. Like, yeah. you know, I feel like if I want to up my game as a trainer, I can't stay in New York in the wintertime. Yeah. And even in December and January, it's not great dog training time, you know, for a New Yorker. So what I look at it is that can be my off season. And I'm doing air quotes, everyone, because there's no such thing. But dogs mostly will have gone home. You know, I might do a little forest fetch. I might do a little um, obedience or what have you and, and hunt and spend the holidays with family and be around. And then... Mid-January, we roll south. Once everybody's done with their duck season, dogs come flooding in, and we skedaddle. Yeah. Head south, man.
1: And you got to get that head start. I mean, the the dogs need training. You need to get a jump start. And like you said, you're already trialing. So it's, you know, you could have come down here cold and gone into it, but you probably had some dogs you needed to prep a a little bit beforehand.
0: And just being honest, they're not where they should be. You know, that's, you know, first off, you saw a lot yesterday and today. I personally believe that they're not as good. The big dogs are not as good as they were in September, October. They went home and hunted. They got a little chubby. They, you know, just did their own thing. And I can tell, like, some of the decisions they make on their, you know, water entry, like where they hit the water versus where they were hitting their water back in October. It's like, Uh, we're just a little bit rusty. We're still knocking the rust off. And, you know, can they go and pass tests? Yes, and they have. Um, But it's not exactly where I want them to be or where I know they were only, uh, you know, five months ago or something.
1: Yeah. So let me ask you, since you come down here to extend your training season and kind of get the – early jump start on it do the people down in the south generally have a a leg up on the rest of the country anyway or does it kind of balance out come summer when it gets too hot to work down down here you guys are up there cranking it out up there does it kind of balance out throughout the year or do the guys down south ultimately just have the leg up on you
0: i would say the guys down south have a leg up on us um and then i have a leg up on probably amateurs up north definitely you know where they can't that's their home you know they lose four plus months of dog training um and so that's also why it's a benefit i mean some of my clients you know like you you met tilly today or yesterday and today you know tilly won't train with me all summer long she'll go home and live with my buddy my buddy will come and train with me but tilly's not on my truck year round but in the wintertime, he's like, hey, you know, I really want her to make it further and further. And her sitting in the house in the cold doesn't work. So I've probably got four or five dogs that come, that go home and keep, you know, I just keep them tight. Um, where was I going with that other than that? Oh, but so it's the north versus southern. I definitely think southern folks have the leg up because more of their year is great weather. Um in the summer months, a lot of guys will take a summer trip north to get into the cooler weather. Right. So they are the opposite of me. But even like like my buddy Adam from the doghouse, right, he still trains, but he is up and loaded and ready 3 to go. a.m. <laughs> Basically, yeah, <laughs> yeah, his dogs are loaded. So when the sun is just peaking, he's already in the field with stuff out in the field ready to work. So when they can finally see a duck, it's getting thrown And they can work, you know, however many hours. And they're probably, I would imagine, tweaking their setups to make sure dogs are safe and cool and in the shade and hydrated and all the things that would go into potential heat exhaustion or heat stroke. But they're not slowing down. I mean, they're still getting after. They might take like a little siesta midday at the the heat of the heat and then come back out at 5 o'clock
1: and work till dark. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And that's kind of what I saw in, in Tennessee is I, I used to live down the road from the trial grounds in middle Tennessee, and I would get up, before sunup just to road my girls just to get ready for hunting season. But, you know, I'm more, I'm in the versatile dogs, pointing dogs. So it's a little different just exercising them. And the only people that I would see out there were some lab guys just setting up and I would be leaving essentially as they get started and then same thing in the evening. So that's, it's kind of what I figured that that if you're going to do it or, or at least be, you know, in contention in, in that game, that's what you, what you have to do, right? Yeah.
0: Up early rolling as soon as the sun cracks and then take a break yeah get them in the shade get them cooled down and then ramp back up as you know sun, it's just cooling off a little yeah. bit
1: well i'm glad that you can have me on your show for me to ask you a bunch of questions you know? <laughs> Dude, no I'm,
0: I'm glad i i hijacked yours with your force fetch one so you're good um would that, let me take back over tell everybody about yourself you know about your dogs your the breeds and and how you got into hunting with dogs
1: yeah uh my name's nick adair i'm uh from middle tennessee and like i just said that i were on versatile dogs more specifically i've got uh, three now i've got a, a german short hair pointer who's uh around nine going on ten something like that and then a small Munsterlander pointer she's four or five ish in that range and then uh i got a little setter pup she's about eight months old now and, uh, so I've been in the, doing this for around nine years now, not, not super long, but not like real new, at least in the, in the DIY, just companion pet or, uh, field. But yeah, that ultimately, like I've always had an affinity for hunting dogs and more specifically the, the ones that really got me into it was uh coon hunting and coon hounds back in the day. And then, cool. then I, I really kind of realized I, I outgrew the phase in life to where I didn't think I needed sleep. And so I love coon hunting, but I'll go like once or twice a year now. But those houndsmen, they're they're kind of a different breed. They they, they live a different lifestyle. And uh, so I kind of got out of that. And then uh, I I grew up with a good buddy, uh, Adam, who had a black lab. And he kind of got me into duck hunting. And I just noticed that I was really kind of drawn towards the dog work more so than the actual hunting. I love the hunting, but the dogs were it was really what captured my attention and i just kind of jumped all in it and uh I, I, want, I thought about getting a lab but then the pointing dog kind of captured my attention and and i've been a, an avid upland hunter ever since and and started off with the german short hair pointer which a lot of people getting in the uplands yeah, that's that's yeah. generally the the starter dog for most of them sure cool so
0: let's let's take a step back because i've i've only been coon hunting once and it was a lot of fun and uh talk to me about you know the dogs that you
1: had that did that and some of the memories that were made there man i so i had a red bone coon now you know anybody that kind of hadn't had an interest in coon hunting, uh, probably our generation growing up, where the red fern grows. 100%. And, and uh, you know, I think I read that when I was six or seven, and I said, one day I'm going to have a, a red bone coon. Oh, yeah. and, what was its name? Uh, Crockett. Nice. <laughs> Tennessee, man. You know, I had, to, I had to stick with the roots there. So, uh, yeah, me and Crockett, and I knew absolutely nothing, which in the hound dog world really isn't the worst thing to do. To Like the knowledge base to train the dog, it's kind of in their blood or not. And if you can. Get them on the exposure. Get them on some on some game and and I did a little bit, not nearly as much as I should have because I I got them when I was I think I was nineteen and so I was in college and so I, I had an interest in it. I loved it, but also there was a lot of other interests in life when you're a nineteen year old dude in college, right? So. Yeah. So, uh, in between the partying and all that stuff, it's, uh, I'd go out there, but man, it's, there's something different about the woods at night when it's just dead quiet and you just got a coon hound off in the woods balling. And it just, it just, it really is something special. And, uh, I did it as long as I could. And then about, about 25, 26, it's, you know what, that, that sleep kind of catches up to you. Yeah. So.
0: Lack thereof. I agree. Yeah. Um, so Talk to me about like a real memorable coon hunt.
1: Uh, honestly, it, it's kind of cliche, but just his first one, right? You know, I there's been a couple. He wasn't he wasn't a knockdown. Coon dog by any means He wasn't uh, Winning any PKC hunts Or anything like that This was just Enjoyment hunts And it was ultimately An excuse for me And my buddy Adam Again to go out there and, And we'd have a couple Tall boys in the coat And we'd just sit there Until he struck one up Or not And then we'd go home After a few hours Uh, but, but the first one, man, it's like, that's the special one you're out there. It's like, I don't know what, what the heck I'm doing. He doesn't know (laughs) what he's doing, but we're out here, we're having a good time. And then all, all of a sudden he lights up and, and you go up to him and he's actually, you know, on tree and you shine the light up there and there's, there's the coon and, and, uh, I shot it out of the tree and, uh. Yeah, I, I'm like, all right, I got this coon. What do I do with this coon now? And <laughs> did you make a hat? Uh, man, I actually I skinned it. I did have oh. the skin for for years. It got lost in one of my moves, but I did skin it and borax it and yeah. preserved it. And I didn't make a hat out of it, but I had it there for a while. And uh, yeah, man, it it was just that that was really all all the story was to it. You know, you're standing in the middle of the woods at night and and you wait for the dog to key up and I mean if people that haven't witnessed or or experienced a coon hound just bawling in the middle of the night, it's just it's just different. That cold air it just carries and and you go to them and they can be, you know, half a mile off and you and you go and shine your light and hopefully see them and then since then I've kind of had the privilege of hunting with guys that really know what they're doing and they have those championship coonhounds and contrasting that to what I had like I was I was just I I wasn't even in the same realm as them you know those dogs to where you go on a good PKC hunt to where you know there's multiple dogs out there and they're competing kind of like your trial situation you really kind of see what what a high level coon dog does and uh and it's it's different man those guys you know they they play for keeps man they're yeah. they're after it it's yeah. it's really neat
0: and uh, if you could describe the the traits of what makes a great coon dog like the ones that were winning and whatnot what what
1: were they like the ones I've, I've been on one pkc actual like trial i've been in the field with a couple pkc dogs but i actually went out on a pkc hunt last year in illinois and uh from what i gathered again not an expert here on, on this but it's it's the ones that can pick up the cold scent and follow it usually. And so you got your cold nose dogs and your hot nose dogs and and the cold nose dogs can pick up that scent. That's been there a little, little longer. Like maybe that coon crossed that path hours ago compared to the one that just crossed 15 minutes ago. And so like, you know, pretty much all the dogs should be able to pick up on that warm scent, but it's the ones that pick up on the one that crossed a couple hours ago and can, and can track that one to the tree within the time period and get those points for it and stay on tree because, you know, just like what we're dealing with, how many dogs that we talk about today? That's just like, man, she just needs confidence or he needs confidence. Same thing in the coon hound world where they just, they need the drive to go out there and find it. They need the nose to, to stick with it and track it all the way back to the tree, but then they need the confidence to actually that coon is up in there because you'll have some that'll uh, literally just hit the tree and then they might lose confidence that's in there. They'll leave it. Or right. you have some dogs that are stubborn, and uh, and I think if I some coon hunters probably can get mad at me, but I think they call it a slick tree where the they the dog thinks the the coon is in there. Maybe it climbs up there and jumps to another tree nearby, or it just kind of skirts up and then jumps and and keeps on hauling to the next one. You get a lot of dogs that'll get hung up on that tree, and so if they start treeing on that one and there's no coon in there or you can't actually produce it, uh you you get dock points, right? And so it's it's all a balancing act. And it's just you talk to a real cooner hunter that can explain uh the point system and what goes into it, you start realizing that there there is a, a an art to it, right? Sure. Um but they're just a different breed, man. They run really young dogs just because they need the dogs that can that they can haul ass yeah and, and it's just it's just cool
0: that's awesome no, i dig it when they do a trial how do they know that there's any coons in the area
1: they don't it, and oh really
0: so it's yeah. just like hey we're going to this patch of woods yeah should be Cooney.
1: Yeah, from my <laughs> understanding, yeah, Cooney. It's uh, from my understanding is like you'll have if they do a trial in a certain area, you have uh, their judges, and the judges tend to be from that area, and so like they'll kind of put a run in a certain area to where they know that there should be coons there they've come across them before they've scouted it out or something like that and uh, they're not killing the coons in the actual trial right so they'll go up they'll tree and then they'll do a little screech horn and and kind of shine the light and really that's all it is is confirm that they're on there leash up your dogs go down the down the way and let them loose and do it all over again no and, way. and then it's you know how many coons can you actually produce, and that's that's the point structure. That's what you're after.
0: So the screech horn does that get the coon to like look out and
1: yeah. So like when when a coon is up in a tree, sometimes they'll like flatten down. They'll get in a get in a little fork or something, and and the eyes. When you're shining the light up in there, that's what you're looking for is the eyes. You're not so much looking for the actual like tail or the body, so to speak. You're looking for that shine in the eyes. And so when you do the little screecher, and that's exactly what it is. It's this little thing that they play like. And it just screeches out, and it'll get that coon to kind of look up and, and look around, and that's when you can kind of see the eyes. Hmm. Uh, and so that that's what it's for. So you kind of go up there, you're you're shining the lights, you're looking for it, you're scanning it, and then if if the dogs are trained, they're saying that that's coons in there. Then it's kind of like a last resort, almost, at least from what I gathered. All right, let's screech and see if we get a reaction, and yes or no, and then you know, because you as the handler you have two dogs on the ground right so you both dogs can be on the same coon it's whoever calls that tree yeah, first exactly. right and so you have to actually know the voice of your hound and right. and it is distinguishable especially the guys that know it just like us we know you know most of the time we can tell the difference between like who yeah, barking or on my yeah 100%. and uh but it's a little different when you're dealing with two english hounds out there ball and tree and those houndsmen pick up on it. And I mean, I was out there to where both of them immediately were like mine. <laughs> and it, like, it's, if you call it and there's no coon in the tree, then you get docked. Mm. Right. So you're kind of taking a chance to saying, Hey, this is mine, but that, that's where it comes into, you have to know your dog and, sure. and your dog's voice. So it's just Super a whole new element of knowing your dog.
0: Yeah. Super interesting. I, I love it, man. I feel like if I had all the time in the world I would do that. I would I wanna play with rabbit dogs and beagles, right? Yeah. And I don't know. Just seeing dogs that do what they're bred to do at a high level is cool.
1: Of any kind. Of any kind. At working dogs in general, man. Yep. Hunting dogs. I mean, obviously we're we're you're into the into the retrievers. I'm into the bird dogs for the most part. But uh, I just I nerd out on on high caliber dog work. It doesn't matter the stock dogs, man, there's something cool about the stock dogs and the sheep dogs. Like you were talking earlier today about the further the dog gets out, you know, the, the harder it is to control them, of course. But, the the herding dogs man what are they're doing that with like a just a whistle like you know it's those guys are nuts at the distance that they're sitting there watching their dogs control sheep but i'm with you man i just i nerd out at high caliber dog work of any kind
0: absolutely yeah so um let's let's break down your your first short hair uh rachel Mm -hmm. roughly 10 talk to me about like Her development, your, your both of yours development, um, hunt tests, things that you've done with that dog.
1: Yeah. So like everybody, you get into this world and you know, everybody, I want a puppy. All right. I was on the, I was no different. I was on the list to get a puppy. Um, and then the breeder I was talking with up in West Virginia, he just called me one day and he was like, you know, I know you're wanting a puppy, but uh, I got this dog in my lineup. I'm, I'm thinking about letting go. She started. She's been force fetched and uh, stuff like that. She's, she's right at one year old. And, uh, and he, he just flat out told me, he goes, you starting out, I think this dog can teach you more than what you can teach a young dog. And, and, you know, it made a lot of sense to me. So, so I drove up there, kind of test drove her a little bit and, uh, I'm like, you know what, this, this feels right. This seems like a smart decision and, and, uh, to put my foot in the water and, and just, just figure out what this game is about. And, uh, and I did it and she came there, you know, there was a couple holes, especially looking back on it now with the knowledge that I have now, there was a little few holes here in there for force fetch. I had to clean up a, a, few things on that uh but she came to me raw besides besides being force fed she was like she would hold point just enough for you to shoot you know kind of a meat dog ultimately and uh so then I got into NAVDA because I I was just like everybody else green I'm like what do I do with this dog how do I train it and uh everybody says go check out a NAVDA training day and uh so I did and of course then I start drinking the Kool-Aid let's start testing. And I start down that, the utility path uh, with her to, I got to get her steadiness done all the way through release. Got to get a duck search on her, got, you know, stuff like that. And uh, that's really kind of where my, my education began is just talking to people at training day and trying to apply it to my dog. And, and we got, through the utility test, I got a prize two, a uh, co- couple little holes here and there that just prevented us from being a prize one. And, and it was really handler error more than anything. Uh, but that just kind of started off my journey. And it's like, once, once I did that, and then I got in the grouse woods and I bagged a grouse or two, man is no hooked. looking back. I'm hooked. hooked. Uh, like, and then, you know, then you start looking at the next dog. What are we doing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: exactly. So, uh, what did you in the U- UT? What did you learn that you could have done differently or prepped her differently?
1: Or like, what what did it look like? So I did a very crude uh, method of steadiness. It was very, and when I say crude, I guess I, simple should be the way I, I I should say it. Like there was no bells and whistles. There was no fancy like getting to know your dog or this method or that method. It was teach your dog whoa put your dog on on a bird and just hit, hit her with the collar when she moves. And over time that produced the full steadiness on her. Uh, But it took forever. It took a ton of reps. I got there. Uh, But at the same time, it's like, I didn't really take a whole lot out of her doing it because she's a German short hair pointer. Right. So like, you know, you're not going to lose that intensity on point for, from her for the most part. But while I'm doing that, it's just like it's slow going, but it's working. the The main learning curve that I uh, I had with her, or the eye opening experience, was the duck search. Honestly, yeah. And uh, the duck search, I was banging my head against the wall on that. I was I was trying everything everybody told me to do right. with her, and it just it wasn't clicking with her. And I'll, I'll never forget. Uh, I've told this story on my my podcast a number of times, but. I was getting frustrated. I was about to pull from the test just because she could not figure out this duck search. For anybody that doesn't know what that is in NABDA, you have uh, a, a one duck out there, a, a minimum of a two or three acre pond or swamp with obst- uh, objectives and structure. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to. You have one gunfire. You send them and then that's it. You don't do anything else. You're standing you literally there. Literally just standing yeah, there. You just stand there. And she's supposed to do a minimum of I think it's 10 minute yeah. independently search, expand the search, hit different cover, check off the list ultimately. Mm-hmm. And I could get her to go out, and that was about it. She would go out a little ways, pop and come back. Mm-hmm. And and it was like every time I was trying a new method to try and get her to extend, it was like it was making it worse. It was like, <laughs> I mean, it just And so finally I'm like, all right, this is, this just isn't working. And I've got, she's a great field dog. And that's what I care about ultimately is, is pointing. And so I was about to pull, pull from the test, but I'm, I go out on, on my back deck, had a six pack of beer. I'm like, let me, let me just think about this. All right. And, uh, I got to think, I'm like, I keep taking the advice from these other people, but not one time have I really thought about my dog and what my dog was telling me. What is she good at? What does she like? What's a reward for her? And ultimately she likes to search dry ground, the field, and she loves to retrieve on dry ground. Mm -hmm. So, By that, I just kind of came up with my own little method. I salt and peppered the front yard and just extended that using white bumpers to pull her out on land. And and then when I got the good search for it, I started taking bumpers away to where I only got down to one bumper. Then I replaced that with frozen birds. Mm -hmm. And then I did the same thing on water. And with, I mean, literally two, three months of me banging my head against the water day in, day out, and it's not clicking, it took like two weeks Mm-hmm. if that and I got a four in duck search and wow and it was like that was the eye-opening experience that I I needed to man your dogs kind of tell you everything that you need to know on how to train them you just can't you know stop you don't always have to have somebody else tell you how to train just kind of just think about it the dogs are telling you
0: yeah no that's smart dude um mm. this man Hey, did you know that bismuth weighs more than steel? It's kind of a no brainer, but maybe you didn't know that little fun fact. So what that means is you can shoot a smaller size than if you were to be shooting steel. So for instance, let's say you shot three inch threes, which I used to shoot before I shot bismuth. I now shoot fives. That means you've got more BBs in each shell going down range that packs the same or more punch so more BBs down range means more likelihood of hitting the duck and with that bismuth more likely that that duck is going down better than door now you and your dog get the retrieve bingo bango, bongo bismuth by Kent from the duck blind to the holding blind baby it's Purina the food that fuels the truck of lone duck the big dogs are eating the 3020 Purina Pro Plan Sport We do the chicken blend. I've also had friends that have super success on the salmon blend, but it's a great food to fuel the athlete that gives you their all. So why don't you give them your all? Feed Purina. Yeah, I mean, we don't have to get into a whole duck search thing, but when I was doing it, I salt and peppered that pond. Like, that dog could not right. Not find a duck. If it went anywhere, it would have smelled a duck and found it and then send them again. And, okay, there's five more to find. And then I just expanded, like you said. I just made the ducks a little further away And then a little further away, but there still were six ducks out there to find. Mm -hmm. And so, and I wouldn't send them for all six. I'd do one, maybe two, and then I'd paddle out and grab the other ones. Um, I also took my retriever background and I taught them forced to a pile and I taught them forced to water. So when I sat back, they left my side and got in the water and went and then were successful and it was impossible to not be successful. Yeah. And then they, they ended up learning to you know expand and search more, and I did a lot with live ducks out there too. So I would shackle live birds so they'd kind of like move a little bit. They couldn't dive on them yeah. or, or really get away, but there'd be some movement in the water to help maybe attract them once they really dug out there, and then the fact that it was a live bird that they could grab was like, an ultimate reward for right. them which the next time they come out they want even more yep so yeah it's a great great tip and and good on you for w- what do i need to do with this dog what does this dog need to be successful and think outside of the box that probably nobody thought of or told you you know they probably had knucklehead ideas of put a trap on a thing and pop do they have, do, yes there's so uh, many man, like,
1: I went through so many of those examples. Put, a, put a, a launcher, a bird launcher on a buoy and float it out yep. there and then just send her. And then when she acts like she's going to turn and come back, you hit the quack on the launcher. And if that doesn't work, then launch the duck. And, yes. and that the stuff can work, but it it's can like, work. there's such an easy way to do yeah. this. And, and that's really all it was. And and, and so like I didn't have the uh, the capability to use live birds because I didn't have my own pond at sure. the time. But you're right. And then uh, when you do get to the pond or the training grounds that you are allowed to use uh, live birds, it's like that once the, the dots get connected, you can't really break the <laughs> break the thread. It's like they're just amped up. Yeah. And then you're right. It's, you know, just work on the resim. Because if they do get the duck and, and under that, uh, that time period— you have to resend, and then there's no gunshot at, on the resend, right. and there's no duck out there. Yeah, so you're just, just you're just sending them dry, and just they need to stay out there. So you know that's where a lot of people in Navda uh, kind of overlook. I, I would say is they don't work on the resend, and so they get these dogs, and you know you hear a lot in Navda. I just want to send them and I don't want them to find the duck. I'm like, well, that's kind of the opposite of what we should want for as dog trainers. Right? Like I want my dog to be so proficient that they find the duck in two minutes, but I'm going to prepare them to be able to resend and stay out there. That's right. Uh, you know, I don't want to lose the, the purpose of the test just to pass the test. If that makes sense. It does.
0: Yeah. No, that's awesome, man. So let's talk about you and Rachel's hunting adventures. Yeah. Um, Pick two or three of like memorable hunts, places you've gone, people you've met, birds you've shot.
1: Man, so the, especially this past year, we've had a ton of them. I mean, you get these dogs, they kind of take you all over to to places. I started off with most of, a lot of upland hunters, uh, where they start off with just kind of going up to the Northwoods, let's chase grouse and woodcock, and so I started off with Wisconsin. and. Man, it, th- there's no top in get getting your first rough grouse, mm. right? You know, that that's a special moment. But if you're talking about, like, memorable ones, the ones that just I'm on my deathbed that I'm going to remember. This past uh, September, I went to Montana, and we did sharptail grouse, sage grouse, and uh, Hungarian partridge. Cool. And, uh, man, we just tore it up. Every dog in the truck tore it up. Every There's three of us and five dogs, and every dog got a sage grouse. Uh, Shot over a point. Every handler got their limit of sage grail. Like, we just, it was the trip that, like, when you get into the uplands that you're dreaming about, that's what we experienced. And, and I mean, we, we had to go buy a second cooler for the meat. Like, that's not typical of of an upland hunt. It, It was just. There, there's really no other way to put it, but like, that's going to be a trip that is very tough to beat. And then, uh, fast forward this past January, we had a really neat experience in going to Arizona and chasing desert quail. Cool. And, uh, so that was really cool h- hunting, uh, some gambles and scale quail. I missed on the murn, so I didn't get my, my, uh hat trick on the on all three of the quail out there but just gives me a reason to go back right so that's cool so my buddy harold that went with me he got the merns uh and he also got the uh scale but he didn't get the gambles i got the gamble and scale and he didn't get the merns but uh if you hadn't been out out southwest in the desert man that is that's something special
0: what do you and your dogs have to do to prepare for that kind of terrain and temperatures and hazards like cactus i mean i imagine cactus
1: snakes so man you you get into this game it's you you just have to realize that there's hazards out there to a certain extent like you're you're not going to avoid all the stuff out there like if you if you got a pointing dog and you want to go hunt early season prairie grouse and the thing that keeps you from going to do it is the rattlesnakes like you know, you're just going to have to go do it. And, and so I don't, you can do snake breaking. There's snake avoidance courses. It's just avoidance. You know, it's a, it's just e-collar heavy and, and that, that produces uh, a lot of good results for a lot of people. You have the rattlesnake vaccine, uh, which, you know, take it or leave it. Some people swear by it. Some people don't think it does anything. Uh, I'd but probably do it. Yeah. Right, I like, did why it. not? It's, it's man. I want to say it was like forty bucks, yeah. right? Like, even if it only helps twenty like, percent, exactly. Uh, okay, forty bucks for for a safety net, right? Yeah. Possibly. So I I did it myself. Uh, I don't concern myself too much with the snakes, though. the The cactus in Arizona, you're get they're gonna get cactus. It, it, it is what it is. Carry a comb on you. It, it's it's easy to just pull off, but th- they're gonna run into it. And if your dog's smart, they're only gonna do it. So so much, right? And then if if the the cactus is so thick that all they're doing is running in a cactus, go to a different spot. Like it, it, it's really that's all you can do is set your dog up for success or failure on on that point. But besides that, conditioning, just like every we all talk about the importance of keeping your dog in shape year round like it's not an on-season off-season thing especially for me it's my dogs are going to stay in shape and by them staying in shape we do a lot of roading I, I do a lot of conditioning whether if it's hot I'm swimming whatever but a lot of roading and running and that's going to keep their pads tough it's going to keep their pads in shape and um uh, but even that, by the end of Arizona, you can start seeing the pads wearing down. You know, when they're doing 20, 30 miles a day sometimes, if you have wow. them out for a while, their pads are going to start, start eking away. And uh, that's when you have boots or you give them a day off. And that's where the dog power comes in. You know, a lot of people talk about dog power in terms of finding birds. There's that aspect of it. But dog power also in the fact that these dogs need breaks just like we do. and And you can't hunt one dog... People say my dog will hunt all day and it's like, yeah, they might do hunt all day for a day or two. They might even go out for a third or fourth day, but you're losing efficiency. Like, yeah. you know, it's, they might physically be going through the motions, but they're not going to be hunting as hard or as well by that, you know, third or fourth day. Yeah. Oh, I'd, I'd hundred percent believe that they're, they're gassed. Yeah.
0: They're probably sore, um, tender, whatever the, you know, pads might be tender, like anything. I can I can't imagine. Um that's kind of I'm lucky cuz my setter is not huge running. She's not a bootlicker, but she's not a speed demon and she's not getting gassed quickly. It's very methodical. She it's almost like she slither slithers through the woods and and is going at 60 to 70% speed, pacing herself. I don't, she probably doesn't know that she is, but, right. but she is where it's like, it's just not full out sprint. And then an hour later she's mouth breathing and can't do anything. <laughs> yeah. It's just methodical. And she really can hunt for several hours, you know, especially cause our covers aren't vast. So in an hour to maybe two hours, that covers toast. We've got a little bit of a ride, water, cool down whatever put her you know put her up she calms down by the next cover she's recouped enough can go for another hour 20 minute break another hour right and luckily in new york in that time it's not very hot so yeah but it definitely helps and then what we'll do as well so kevin my brother who's not on the show today he's probably gonna be ticked that <laughs> we call him, but too many logistics um my buddy nick and and huey um, between the three of us, it'll be like maybe if it's just me and Nick, me and Nick, Andy, Huey, we'll run them both. Next cover, maybe one dog. Next cover, the other dog. Last cover, both dogs again, type of thing. Yeah, and you just kind of rotate them a little bit and get the most out of the dog and uh, hunt smart and yeah. hopefully find a bird.
1: You you work out your own rotation, and some dogs work better solo than, than without. So like, you know, we were talking about my Munsty yesterday and, and that's, that's her. Like I hunt her solo. She, she does really well with another dog on the ground in terms of backing and honoring and and retrieving still. But her mentality is she, she loves the retrieve so much. She'll actually start hunting for that back is what I call it is like, you'll see her kind of check up, slow up, and so it's not even so much that she burns herself out if there's another dog on the ground or she's not trying to steal a point. It's kind of like she hunts worse with another dog on the ground. And some guys don't even see it. Like, my buddies are like, oh, you're crazy. I'm like, no, nah, I know my dog. Like, it, she should be finding more birds or searching better. But you find that rotation, especially when you have your buddies and, and you get to know their dogs. You kind of know who works well together. You know, this dog will be out at that range. Well, let's not get another hammer out that far. Let's get another one in between kind of mm-hmm. getting the stragglers. And, you know, it's one of those you can kind of go off the deep end when you start strategizing that <laughs> yeah, too much. much. Yeah. But, uh, but that's also one of the things that I enjoy kind of piecing the puzzle together because just like – you know, just because we're out there to have fun and enjoy it and it's our hobby, my take is, like, we don't have to suck at our hobbies either. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, yeah so, dude. and so, like, that's what I enjoy doing is really trying to pick up those patterns and get better every time we go out. Yeah.
0: So, all right, let's talk about your small Munster Lander. Yeah. What
1: did you, why did you buy a dog like that? Man, So, <laughs> <laughs> so, Lucy, man, she is, man, just... I, I can't even just put into words like what. Hold on, so yeah.
0: Answer the question.
1: Yeah. Why? Why? So I was supposed <laughs> to get another puppy. I was supposed to get another short hair, uh-huh. and uh, I was on the list. And all of a sudden, one of these the, one of the training days, this dude shows up with a, a truck of small munsties and I'd heard about them. I'd read about them. Cool. I go follow them around. I'm I'm gonna go plant birds for you. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna lay down a pheasant track. I'm gonna do this, and Bob, I tell you, like those those month in in his truck, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, those are some damn good dogs. Mm-hmm. Like they just impress me. and it was the use of nose. and that's what they're kind of known for is their use of nose tracking capabilities. That's their really strong suit. yeah. And uh, I'm like, well, I'm already on the list for for a GSP pup, like maybe on the next go around. well the the litter didn't take on the short air. So I'm like, all right, well, I can either start start doing the research, finding another litter, find another kennel and get another short hair or I can literally do that and go check out a small monsty because the way I look at this is I'm trying to learn everything I can and there's something to be said about the guys that have experienced numerous different breeds and handled different breeds. I feel like the guys that have owned and handled or trained like in your your exam uh, your experience, numerous different breeds and personalities. I feel like in the long run is going to make you a better trainer. I think that's going to make you a better dog man fill in the blank. And so, I'm like, "You know what? They blew me away. I did some research on the breed." Yeah, they're cool. Let's let's give it a shot, right? And yeah. so I did the research, found her. Yeah, it's
0: only a 13-year investment. It, only, right? You know. <laughs> yeah.
1: And uh, I tell you what, man, it's it, all my buddies laugh at me because it's like that dog right there will make me the happiest guy on the planet today. And then tomorrow, make me just want to completely quit dog training. <laughs> and, 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 uh, but she has her strengths and weaknesses. And if you play to her strengths, she's good. She's good. If you start trying to make her into a short hair or make her into a setter, which she's not, that's when you get frustrated. And so, right. like, she still, she actually scored higher than Rachel on the on the Nabda utility test. Uh, she, no, she got docked on one thing on uh, that kept her from her prize one, and that was her pointing. She got a three in pointing instead of a four because she has a little bit of a flagging deal going on, especially on pin raised birds. Uh, but she is a very cooperative dog. Like you want to talk about a dog that truly like only cares to am I happy or not? That's her. And there's, there's a lot of good in that, but it can also be really frustrating when it's just like, just go hunt, you know? And,
0: and so. Would you say she's more sensitive? uh, Like sensitive to her surroundings, sensitive to your feelings, sensitive to. To me, yes.
1: Yeah. To, to the surroundings, the situation, no. To me, yes. So like you put her side by side next to my short hair, most people are going to think that she's a quote unquote softer dog than my short hair. My short hair will shut down quicker than her if you're doing like forced to pile or something. Like I force I force fetched Lucy. I can put more pressure on her than I can Rachel. And you know you would probably think it's the opposite, but it just goes to show like you you can't really lump all the dogs in into one category sure. or not. You yeah. know every dog yeah, is yeah. different. But uh, man, she's she's done great stuff for me. It's just like I said. I mean I, I've gone out to where. I've been on hunts with people that put her in the truck I'll take her right now then yeah, I'll dude. then I'll go put her out and it's just like what are you
0: yeah she's a beautiful dog she's really cool looking she's um, great build you know good size happy little dog yeah um just a cool cool creature um what's her most memorable
1: point and and hunt so she Let's see here she had a really good pheasant this past year you know that sounds really weird just one bird out of the entire season, but you know how it is when yeah. you have a, when you have a pointing dog like that just sequenced to she goes out there and she wasn't having the best walk so far I mean we we're getting some birds up we we're finding them uh where were you uh we we're in Iowa and uh and so we had one bird in the vest and, and we're actually working our way back to the truck and I, you know I'm sitting there I'm not I'm not thrilled. I'm not upset either. It's just kind of like, eh, you know, it's a, right. you know, whatever. And, uh, then all of a sudden she slams a point. And like I said, she, on Penray's bird, she flags a little bit. If she knows there's a bird there, she's staunch. I mean, just you, not, I'm not going to say a setter or a pointer point, but like, it's, it's a good looking staunch point and she's not moving. Tails, not moving heads locked in what you would expect from a pointing dog. That's staunched up. And so when she goes on that point, it's like, I know there's something here. And so I go in and uh, we're kicking around and I don't, I don't come up behind the dog like most people do when the dog goes on point, right? I circle back around. I'm going in at a, at a 45 degree or 90 degree angle, if not 180 degree angle, working back towards them. I try and pin the bird and force it to get up in the air instead of running, especially on something like a pheasant, right? Mm -hmm. And so I swing wide don't get anything up. I, I, I'm, I'm actually walking further away from her. I'm like, all right, pheasant, maybe it's running. Maybe I didn't circle far enough. I, I get really far out in front of her. Nothing's getting up. I turn around. I try and release her. I'm like, all right, go on, because they're a tracking dog. Yeah. That, I just said that's what they're kind of known for. So I release her. If it's a running pheasant, she should track, and she should find it, relocate it, point it again. She doesn't move a muscle. She doesn't budge. <laughs> And I'm like, what is this? And I'm like, maybe she doesn't hear me. It's Iowa, wind is whistling, it's whipping in my face, you know, all that stuff. So I start walking back, and all of a sudden, this giant freaking rooster just gets up. Like, the green pterodactyl just gets up. I, I drop it. She goes and gets it, brings it back to me. And, uh, yeah, it's it's at the taxidermist now because it's just— Nice. And uh, my buddy actually caught it. I had the GoPro. My buddy caught it on his camera. So it's like I have that memory enshrined now of her just— just nailing that pheasant. And, That's amazing. And it's that that one's always going to stick with me with her.
0: All right, I'll tell you a pheasant story real quick. <laughs> so we're coming home from Master National, and I'm driving through Montana, and I get a a buddy of mine, a really not a buddy. And and so if he's listening to this, what I <laughs> what I really mean is like an acquaintance who listens to the podcast, Instagram. I met him at Shot Show. Super nice guy, and. Just, like, hits me up on Instagram, like, see you dro- driving through Montana, and he drops me a pin. I'm like, this guy is the man. <laughs> right? Appreciate Sicking, that. Yeah, the man. Um, and so I go pheasant hunting. I take Andy, and I took Memphis, who had uh, maybe pheasant hunted once. She has no clue. She's just right. going for a walk with me. Um, and they're coming up this draw. It was a really funny shape, especially from New York. It, it was a, a, almost like a washout, right? It's a real deep crevice in this pasture, and they're working from left to right up it, and Andy's kind of like super birdie, and Mom's just running around like birdie, but I don't know, I don't know what yeah. she's doing, right?
1: What are we doing out here? <laughs>
0: and from the top of the crevice, the rooster gets up and flies back downhill, and I rolled them and amazing moment like i'm walking back to my truck i can see it like we hadn't found anything the whole you know i, I could only hunt for like an hour or two so but it was, i hunted it right and we i got them like smoked them pumped dude freaking put them on the wall Andy ate the freaking I mean,
1: <laughs> it's freaking gone
0: <laughs> it's gone now so yeah she she broke into my office and uh that pheasant is no longer with us oh man yeah dude but that was a great memory and even just her eating the dang thing it like, adds to the memory it's right? just funny
1: and you know so she ate the whole thing there was nothing no i mean it, you, you it couldn't was get shredded. the tail fan mm. or even some of the tail feathers it was or pretty shredded yeah. yeah yeah i did i
0: kept some tail feathers and All stuck right. them in a picture but yeah yeah she gone um, or it's gone yeah um so yeah that was my my awesome like moment of getting a, a rooster out west and
1: man it, i'm not the biggest pheasant hunter. I, I love pheasants as a bird but overall like there's depending on where you're at the time of year the the habitat that you have to work i'm not yeah. the biggest fan of it all the time but there is something about
0: a, <laughs> yeah yeah.
1: Dude, yeah there's something about a mature rooster getting up in front of you so we
0: in new york they raise them and release them on state land yeah throughout a certain time of year and then as deer season kicks off they stop releasing i with my old old dog buck we would go after work and pheasant hunt it was just a quick you know, go for an hour or two and we would get some or not or whatever i would much rather hunt pheasant over a flushing dog in new york because of them running because of the terrain because of all that i just prefer it and the volume of them that I've shot in New York, it's like, I don't want to, I'd rather go duck hunting in Arkansas and flooded timber where, or, or grouse hunting in Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan, Maine. Like I'd rather go do those hunts than a pheasant hunt somewhere, but I couldn't pass up the opportunity to try. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm right there. I'm yeah. driving through pins right here. You know, let's do this thing. Yeah. It, it really was a freaking awesome moment. Like it wasn't a pointed bird. They were working their way up the draw, and it flushed them. <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> you asked for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wham! I am an opportunist, so it was it was pretty cool. Um, all right, so you you got your monster. Now you come to the setter side. Yeah. So my soft spot for the setters. Uh, what made you choose that breed?
1: So, I mean, I, I've had the privilege and and luxury of kind of hunting all over the country. I've hunted a a ton of, I haven't hunted all the upland species, but I've hunted, you know, a little more than half of them by now. And, uh, and I've just realized that, you know, I appreciate each one for each little different type of thing that they bring to the table, but there's a something about rough grouse and there's a something about a setter in the grouse woods and, there's just something about a setter in general. They they move different in the field, like just how they run, how they carry themselves. They're just different. And and did you I,
0: feel that way while you were looking for her today?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I get well, you know, there's there's some elements of a setter that you know. Hey, you want to talk about? I told you the other day, like she she will run over that horizon. Like mm-hmm. she she will go. And uh, but yeah, I mean that's that's one of the aspects I I, I wanted. It's like I want that. I, I want to see that smoke come up when I release her and, and go and uh yeah man it's just ultimately you know when you kind of get into in the pointing dog world you know a lot of people start with the german short hairs and, and I'm not going to lie I'll probably I'm not going to say for sure but I'll probably always have a short hair in the stable I mean they're just they're just badass dogs yeah they're good uh but the the setter man I'm really digging her so far it's just it just you want to talk about the tradition or the romanticism of upland hunting. Like it just fits it and, and it just feels right. And, uh, it's hard to explain to guys that like maybe haven't done upland hunting to that extent, but, uh, it took me a while. I kind of got into the space. I always knew that one day I was going to try a setter. I didn't know that, you know, I'd have one by now, but it was, it was a little over a year ago that I'm like, all right, the next one's going to be a setter. And, uh, I started looking and and it took me a while to find the right right litter and the right right breed because it's like, it's setters can be tricky. You get you get those field trial lines that you know they stay eight hundred yards out, or you get the quote unquote bootlickers that are you know fifty yards and in, and and what I like is that kind of middle ground. Like I, I want that you know, 80 to 120 yards in the grouse woods. And then I, you know, in the prairie or something, 200, 250. That's, that's my preference. And everybody's different. You know, it's everybody likes to hunt a different way, but that's what I like. And, and it took me a while. And and I think I found the right pairing. And so far, man, she's, she's living up to what I hope for. She's eight months old. So we'll see, you know, we haven't really connected on any wild birds yet. I've had her out, uh, she's gotten a run in, in Arizona. We didn't luck out and come across anything there, but she's had some woodcock contacts and uh, man, she's doing what you would expect from a setter pup. You know, you see her in the training field on a bird and, and she locks up and she makes you drop your jaw yeah. and, and it's, it's what you hope out of it. And uh, I've really been paying attention and, and focus and intentional on her retrieve drive because I want to compete in some shoot to retrieve trials, And, um, obviously by, by definition and by name, you have to have a retrieve on there. And that's kind of more or less the big question with a lot of setter lines is will they retrieve? Will they get in water maybe? Uh, but so I've been real slow and methodical with that and I've really slowed down, Just from my experience with Rachel and Lucy, every dog, you should get better. You should kind of figure out how you want to go about training your dogs. And I've just realized, like, the more I'm doing this, the more I learn, the more people I have on my podcast, which has been going for four years now, the more just slow I go. I just slow down. I'm much more intentional and methodical. And uh, I don't know if natural is the right way, but I like... I don't like injecting myself between bird and dog. Like I want to keep that relationship as pure as possible. Obviously it requires some fingerprints by us from time to time, but that's kind of the mentality I'm going into it with this dog. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I think setters are, are so naturally gifted at the pointing. Andy could care less about retrieving. Mm -hmm. Kevin's dog likes doing it. Um, she loves to swim andy will get in the water to her belly and cool off and lay down in it or whatever but she doesn't care to swim um and i started to force fetch her back in the day and it was not fun for her or me and i really just looked at her and was like what do i care i mean (laughs) it's my my dog i don't need her to do anything other than to find me grouse and woodcock and point them Um, and she loves it. And it, the encouraging words I would give you is you're right. Let her mature, nurture the natural instincts, nurture the ones that may not be as natural. If retrieving isn't as natural, nurture the heck out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then maybe after this hunting season, which I think you alluded to you were going to do. Like yeah. wait until she's a little bit older and that the grit that she'll develop in that first hunting season, that guts, the the oh, this is why we're doing this, I think it'll click and, and the next setter I get I will follow through and do the same thing but i'll have it retrieved yeah but i mean andy could care less like (laughs) bird gets up i shoot she's off looking for another one well or or we'll go and repoint you know that bird type of thing for me like point dead or or
1: well like the the pheasant hunt you just described you had you had quinn was it Uh, memphis memphis out there with her like Do you do that in the grouse woods too? If you're hunting solo, you don't have your buddy's dog out there. You don't have like one of your labs at heel or something to kind of shoot in. And because not going to lie, like that's, to me, that's the ultimate goal. And what I'm doing is I want that pointer flusher combo. Yeah, I want the dog to go on point. I want to be able to set myself up for the shot opportunity and send that flushing dog in, be it a lab, cocker, I don't, Springer, I don't care uh, right now I'll, I'll care when I start looking, but then I just get the shot opportunity. And yeah. so like, you know, you, you could probably have that if you wanted to, but yeah. y- your labs are probably a different game. I didn't know if you did any upland with them really.
0: Um, no, I really don't. Remember, I kind of alluded to like the pheasant hunting is kind of, you know, dwindled for me, at least in New York. I'll go. It's just not, it's just not my favorite. Favorite. It's yeah. I go with my dad and brother. Um, I enjoy being out there. I would rather go to the Grouse Woods. Yeah. Um, In the Grouse Woods, I'm there to watch Andy do her thing, and I'm there to like I appreciate it what it is. Yeah. I don't. I'd worry that like. What do I? How do I want to say this? Like, what I've done in the Grouse Woods with Andy is now what I want in the grouse woods. I don't need to muddle it. I don't need to add confusion to it. I don't need to add another. I don't know if it would add enjoyment for me to have another dog that go in there and flush for me and retrieve it. If it does, yeah, maybe I'd be way more open to it. And maybe I should try it this year. But I feel like I'd be sitting there going, here, come here. Hey,
1: here yeah, here."
0: Or like maybe they would hunt closer and flush them like, for me and i'd shoot him or would it muddle the opportunity that andy could have gotten that point yeah as she swung out in front of me slam that point bang go you know like i just it i don't adds, need it it dude. can
1: add too many elements to it and, and
0: and there's friends that do it i just look at it like if i'm going in the woods a i love to grow something by myself yeah um there's something about that too and the other aspect of it is, too, so shame on me if people don't like this comment, but I work all day with the labs. Yeah. It's nice to shut my brain off and go do something completely different. I, it's not worked, right? I'm not working Andy. I'm not it, – it, that, that's
1: – It's your break. You still yeah. get the the love that you have for dogs and working dogs, yeah. like we talked about at the very start of all this. Sure. But it's not your day job,
0: right? Right? You know, it- if I had a lab there, and and it's like, uh, you did, that dog <laughs> didn't see it. Now I got to stop it and handle. It's like I ah, blew off that. One. Ah, screw yeah. that, dude, I'm going grouse hunting with Andy to go enjoy grouse hunting. I'm going duck hunting to enjoy duck hunting with the dog that I take duck hunting. And they don't have to be perfect duck hunting for me either, like I ex- ask and expect out here training, but. I get a lot of enjoyment out of, like, oh, that one was a good one. Yeah. Like, oh, that was a good mark. That was a good cast. Oh, man, that was cool. Yeah. Um, and when they don't do it right, it's not that big of a deal. But, man, I – yeah, I just I've, – I've separated them. I'll keep them separated.
1: compartmentalized. man. I get n- – nobody wants to do their day job Monday through Friday, and then on Saturday when they have the opportunity to go do whatever they want – even if it's like slightly different they don't want to do what they do monday through friday on saturday yeah like i
0: had an opportunity a few years ago to buy a a big duck boat and have somebody run it as a guide on lake ontario and some of the other finger lakes and i was like you know i could this could be supplemental income like this is another facet of the business like we could mold some lone duck stuff into this. this this could be really good And ultimately, I just didn't do it because when I want to go duck hunting, I want to go duck hunting with my dad, my brother, and my buddies. Yeah. Unplug. Unplug. And a lot of times, I don't even want to pull out my phone and do social media. Oh, yeah. Because it's like, I want to unplug. And I still will, but it's like, the moment is the moment. And I'm trying to be in the moment, not always be
1: lone duck and man that's always a tough balancing act for for what we do what we do with these shows and and stuff like that it's it is a balancing act for sure because i mean it's you want to take in the moment you want to appreciate for what's unfolding but then also it's like you there's always that person in the back of your content it's like oh man this is a good shot oh man this would be a good talking point like oh man the patreon patrons would love this it's a it's a very complicated thing to to balance out and and keep it for lack of a better term pure i guess
0: yeah and in the grand scheme of things i'm i feel so out of balance of yeah working all the time sharing all the time helping people all the time that yeah some days it's just like no i'm mm-hmm. this is for me this is what we're doing
1: yeah for sure
0: um all right check out lone duck we've got gear We've got upcoming breedings. You can see all the dogs in our breeding program. If you're interested in getting yourself into a Lone Duck dog, this is where you can learn more. Check it out at lone LoneDuckOutfitters.com. Segue into your show. How did you decide to, four years ago, come up with a podcast called Gun Dog It Yourself?
1: Dude, I I got strong-armed into it. My buddy, I, he listens to your show, so I guarantee you he's listening to it. My buddy Austin, he uh, he was in my ear for a little while you know me and him he he got into the gun dog world at the same time I did and so we we're kind of learning it at the same time same pace and uh he kept in my ear you know let's start a podcast you know there were other podcasts on the on the scene this was 4 years ago roughly uh that did their own thing and and had their own flavor but they weren't touching on the dog training aspect in the way that like we were craving like we were we were trying to find the knowledge and the information. And we just thought that it was kind of too difficult to come across the information that we were really after. And so he was like, let's start our own podcast. We can do this. And, and, you know, at the time I'm like, man, like we're, we don't have anything to offer. Like we don't, we're not experienced. He goes, that's it. That's it. We're just average everyday guys. And we're going to go find the information and figure out how to train these dogs. And, uh, so he was on me for a little bit, and and uh, finally he he got through to me, and 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 that what are we gonna name it? And and I came up with well, you know we're we're gun dogging it, so let's just do it ourselves, gun dog it yourself, DIY, <laughs> perfect, you know where it works out, right? Yeah. And uh, so GDIY was born, and uh, then he he was able to he did it for for a little while with me, and then uh, he got a big promotion at work, and it was just too much to juggle, and so. You know, we ca- we've kind of gone through a few reiterations of the show, and then fast forward to now. Uh, it's just me, and, and uh, a couple buddies help out from here and there. You know, doing what they can, but it's just kind of a, a side thing. They just enjoy it for what it's worth. But mm-hmm. for the most part, it's just me, and mm-hmm. uh, and it's kind of developed into its own thing. And ultimately, kind of, uh, I've kind of broken this out for you a-, a few times. Getting to know you here, I'm. I'm just after the information. I'm after the knowledge. I'm not out out there to try and become the next Upland celebrity. I'm not trying to do any of that stuff. I truly want to know the best way to train my dogs, yeah. and, and it's kind of from a selfish standpoint. Is like, I want to train the best dog that I can. I need more information. Let's go to the sources that have the information. And we have a couple fun, you know, BS episodes here and there. Some hunt recaps, but for the most part, it is me talking to the people that actually know what they're doing and and it's proven and I come at it from all different angles I don't ascribe to one individual method I don't even do just bird dogs you know I'll I'll throw out a random hog dog episode or bear dogs or I think I did truffle dog Mm -hmm. (laughs) episode a few few months ago it's just like back to the point anything working dog related I try and go find because I think there there's uh, nuggets of information that applies and has overlap across all spectrums of dog training. And I'm after that just as much as I'm after training my dog to woe. And so like right now I'm in the middle of uh, a woe series on my show right now, and it's going to be six weeks of how to train your dog to woe, but every week is a completely different method on how to do that. Mm. And so here's the information you want to know how to train your dog to woe. Listen to all six, figure out which one works best for you and your dog, and then go apply it. I'm not here to tell you which one is the best one. I'm not even, most episodes, not even saying how I train it. It's just putting the information out there and letting the letting the owners and handlers decide what's best or the right fit for them. That's cool, man.
0: That's really cool. I think, you know, I look back on when I started digesting training information I don't know. I was probably 16, right? You know, we yeah. had books, maybe a few DVDs. Yeah. And Gun Dog magazine, like it was it was very hodgepodge of how you could learn how to do it yourself. Fast forward, now it's a everybody's got a podcast. Everybody's got a course you can buy, including mine if you you know find <laughs> on now. <laughs> um YouTube, um, it's at everyone's fingertips. And to your point, like you don't have to do it my way. You don't have to do it your way or anybody's way, but you soak it all in, you digest it, you work on it, you grow. You question yourself every single day, learn a little more, apply it, and grow. And... I think the average person who is super invested in their dog and the art of learning this stuff is getting way better dogs than oh yeah twenty years ago. Like they're able to take their dog to a super high level on their own with their Navda Club, with their Retriever Club, with their whatever, because of all the info that's out there and it's, and. It's, they're lucky. I mean, they're lucky.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, to your point, you know, when I got into this, like I said, I'm I'm going to nab to check training days. I'm reading every single book and magazine article I, I can get in. And I, I'm still doing that. I mean, I got three books, you know, in my bag right behind me that I'm still trying to consume because, you know, I'm just, I'm just the average person diy guy still you know i'm not a pro trainer i'm not even that proven in the testing like i've done a little bit of testing but it's not like i've i'm that yeah. experienced right i'm not decorated yeah. if you want to call it that i'm truly after the information and i and as i've gotten into this world i, I find it silly like take i'm in the versatile world so like take that for example i don't understand why like people in your world, you guys are the specialists in retrievers. Why do people not come to you guys to learn the best way to train the retrieving side of the dog? And then conversely, why do some of the people that are just dabbling in the pointing dog world, why do they not go to, you know, the people that have been doing it for 40 years in in the steadiness in the field world? It's kind of like Everybody buys into one method, and I got so tired of reading a book, and it's like, oh, that makes sense, that makes sense, that makes sense. All right, I kind of have a good idea of what I want to do. Then the very next book that I pick up completely (laughs) contradicts everything that just made sense to me on the previous book and literally discounts all of that. And I'm like, all right, so that entire method can't be trash just because this one book over here says it. So there's there's good in every single one of these books, every single one of these methods. And I just got kind of tired of everybody being like, nope, if you're going to train your dog this way, you have to follow from A to Z on this. And I think that is, I want to be clear here. I think that is a, a good thing for like people first starting out with their first dog, maybe following through one complete method because it's it's easier for them to consume, right? Mm-hmm. But yep. the longer you stay in this, pay attention to what works best for everybody in different situations, because there might be a better way to train that one aspect of that you're working on on the next dog, if, if that makes any sense at all. It
0: makes sense. Uh, it does make sense. Yeah, how do I describe this? Um, I agree. I think people should follow a program. I think having a bunch of knowledge collected in your brain of other methods and and programs that like mold into yours and your dog's is really good. What I think people should remember as they're working their dog is just because you had a problem on something today doesn't mean you have to change what you're doing today, today or tomorrow or the next day. I mean Like, we ran a boatload of dogs yesterday and today. And truthfully, they all didn't do well. Like, it was a rougher, like, the land setup with the big dogs yesterday went well. My young dogs looked terrible, and I'm sitting there going, what did I do wrong? You know, this this shouldn't have been as difficult for them. I definitely threw them to the wolves a little bit. I ended up simplifying. I ended up doing a lot of different things to try and get them to be successful and da-da-da-da-da. But if I just trust my process, if I just trust that, like, to, I didn't need to win today. I need to win six months from now. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I need it to, by six months from now, that, I, and I told you yesterday, in two months, those dogs are going to be hammering Yeah, that. They won't pass go. They That won't be a thing two months from now. But I, I have the experience to know that. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Where someone with their first dog, it's going, oh, my God, I didn't even a, do that. A thousand percent. I mean. They're just going, oh, my, this dog is worthless. Like, I should get a new dog. What, I got to go read another book. I got to. Yes. I should f- phone into Lone Duck Instagram and be like, my dog won't do this. It's like, <laughs> dude, he didn't do it once. Yeah, You know. Trust just, the pro- trust, process. Trust the process. And that's where if you do follow a, a program that's vetted. Yes. Right. Like a vetted program that has produced high-level dogs, you will work through the mud to get back to dry ground. You will get there. Yeah. Um. But but to your point, having a collection of other methods and thought processes and whatever is going to help. Say, cool. That was a struggle. I learned this from Joe Schmo. I'm going to try that over the next few days. Okay, it balances out. Now we move on. It's good. I just don't want people I, – I don't like it when people bounce around too much yeah. and then they have a hodgepodge – shaky foundation if you will
1: we've all trained with those people to where every time you go in the field they're doing some other new gimmick or different process Mm -hmm. or method and it's like well why are you on this well it didn't work for me doing that and like how long did you try it well like a week i'm like that method is supposed to be like a six month learning process and also i think this is where i focus a lot on i say all the time like focus on the why instead of the how is because you get these guys, they they go through a process, maybe it works out, they go through one method, it works out, and then for the next 20 years, that's all they do. And so when you talk to them, it's like, well, how do you train a dog? It's like, oh, you do this method, follow it from start to finish, it, it'll do it. And I'm like, yeah, but why? They can't tell you. They just know that it's worked for them. And would you say that every method would work for every dog? Mm, uh, the answer is No. But so there's context missing when everybody says, "Hey, when you get, you know, how do I train this dog? Here's a method. Follow it from start to finish. More than likely, it's going to work for the majority of dogs, right? Like the ones that have been tried and true. They've been around for decades. They're going to work for it. But if you don't understand the why, then then you can't really describe or or even understand what really worked and what didn't so you don't really even know how to improve off of it on the next dog correct
0: yeah i think the butt for me is people don't stick long enough and and have the confidence to trust the process that's kind of like we did our force fetch course and i've got a bunch of people that have gone through it and a lot of them have like jumped onto our patreon because it's like okay well we're doing this, and no matter what I could have filmed, I can't show everything. everything. And it's not like I'd been trying to hide it. It's just
1: you would like have, anything could happen. You would have a thousand hours of footage.
0: It's impossible. And you can't film every single dog every single day and even produce the one time that that dude's one dog did this. <laughs> right. right? Like, I don't even know how to recreate that moment to show. So, a lot of guys are jumping on Patreon and, and we'll, we'll do like, a Zoom or a FaceTime or what have you to help get them through it. And it's just like, cool. That was a good session. Right. Well, well, he didn't do this. That's okay. We got tomorrow. Yeah. And we got the next day. Trust the process. Don't go too fast. Don't go too slow. Trust the process. You're, you know, 20 of them were great. Five of them were iffy. And three of them were real bad. But what did he learn on the three real bads and the five iffies and then crushed yeah. the next? He learned something this is great. But those five iffies and three real bads, that's what they focus on. And I'm, I'm the same. I feel that way. Like I'm, I'm in my brain already thinking about what I did today training where I'm like, I could have done this differently. Like that last dog I ran, you know, ping pong and all over the place. Like I shouldn't even have put her in that scenario. We should have had a big and spread out. We should have simplified man. And I put her
1: but then you're in the situation. So now, how do you yeah, exactly. come out of it? Now right? I'm in
0: it, so I'm in it, and yep. I'm I fought the good fight and got it to the bumpers and,
1: and and I think all that is so important for. Yeah. I mean, especially. But I don't myself. think she's
0: going to be a bad blind running dog because, <laughs> because today sucked. Yeah. yeah, and
1: and ultimately, you know, don't go into a training session. This is something I'm telling myself every time I go into it because I'm bad about this. Is I'll go into it as we all do, you know, smelling the roses. We're expecting perfection. We're looking for perfection. when All we really should be looking for is improvement. In some small way is those small incremental steps over time is what builds that dog two months from now that is going to crush the test, right? That's right. And so we go out there really like sometimes forcing these dogs to a certain higher level to where they're just still babies, at least in that process. Mm -hmm. And that's why I slow down. You know, really ask yourself, what am I out here to do? Like in the pointing dog world, it never fails to where so many people will go out there to work, quote unquote, steadiness. And then they get bogged down trying to reinforce a retrieve or something in the field. I'm like, what did you come out here to do? Steadiness? Okay, focus on steadiness. They're doing that and you're ruining your steadiness session because you're trying to enforce a retrieve because... You know, maybe it wasn't the cleanest handoff, but then it turns into a retrieve session. And well, so here, okay,
0: I'll I'll combat that. Yeah, I don't know what that is going to look like. Yeah, when I bring the dog out. I have an idea of what's going to happen, and then it all can go to crap. And in that moment, that's not. I wanted to get to this blind. Now we're not going to that blind. We're going over here. Yeah. Or I'm gonna throw four marks today and because this dog is moving at the line i'm working on studies i'm no longer working on marking so i would combat that and say if your dog like th- that's training yeah okay so take the moment and say well like i have i had a dog today who didn't he she, she doesn't like a certain bumper that's in the pile well you son of a gun you've you are well beyond that yeah and so I cast her to the blind. She actually ran a really great blind, so I should be proud of her. But then she gets to the pole and is like, nah, there's nothing there. And I'm like, we she both did. were like, dude. You know. I'm, like, you. I'm like, no. is there a bumper over there? Like, yeah, there should be. We've only <laughs> ran a few dogs. So I start walking out towards her. Yeah, there were three bumpers there. The three she doesn't like. That's a non-option. Yep. If you're fully force-fetched, to my standard, Get to it and you pick it up and you bring it back Mm -hmm. there's not a freaking thought it blew my mind that this happened so what did i do i ended up doing a mini force fetch session on those bumpers on the way back on the way back i threw a few fun ones to end on a good note and then i ran two more blinds and she did great but in that moment it's like i'm no longer working on the blind i'm working on this task We got that task done. We move on. If I have to do it again tomorrow, I'll do it again tomorrow. But I'm not – anything can happen when you bring the dog out. Yeah. And therefore, I have to say in the moment on my – like think on my feet and say, okay, another example. We ran a huge down-the-shore blind today. Mm -hmm. A couple of the big dogs, Quinn and Hunter – like did a phenomenal job but then they could see that orange blind stake and they're like i'm getting out here and it was just a little bit early no cast them off of it and i made them swim past the pole to put the point in their brain that i tell you when to get out not when you want to get out because come high, hell Train, or high or test well, easy yes because when the going gets tough i need them to have that I will wait until he gives me the okay to get out, not when I feel like it or believe that I'm ready to get out. And so in that moment, was I running a blind or was I getting my point across to stay in the water until I release you, not release you, but like tell you, hey, that's a good cast. Let's go get out. Right. Um, So, yeah, like that to me is.
1: And, and all of that is fair. And, yeah. and I guess I, I should rephrase what I was saying because... It, well, no, you make context, a good point. Someone it, might
0: get bogged down on... Because,
1: well, you're you're absolutely right to where if you're trained up to a certain level, you can't let that slide, right? I, I guess more or less, I'm talking about the people that like, you haven't force-fetched your dog. You're going out there working field stuff, right? We're trying to work on you trying to be able to flush and shoot a bird in front of it. That is not the time to take a dog that hasn't been trained to that level and start addressing a retrieving issue. That is later on down the road. Sure. That's on the table. That's, that's when you address that. And that, that's what I'm talking about. Like you have to have a clear goal in mind and a purpose when you're going out and you have to be able to ride the waves dog training. Like everything in life comes on high waves and low waves. And you know, the days that are good, You're just sitting back and you're drinking beer, just smiling like the day is great. Yeah. Then the when the waves are low, you're sitting back drinking beer, licking (laughs) your wounds. Yeah. What just happened? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's part of it. And to your point, you have to trust the process. Now, when you when you hit that, you can't let those things slide because then you're backtracking. Just because we're working on this over here doesn't mean that what we worked on last week goes away. It just becomes part of the new expectation. But I guess that's what I mean is like, you have to go out there with a, an actual clear goal in mind. And it's not that perfect finished dog at the end. Correct. It's a slight improvement ever so slightly to where like to some people, they may not even notice what you saw that it's just like, okay, that dog it's, it's, it's buying click. in. It's starting to click.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree, man. I just think that uh, the point I would make one more time is: we're out here training. We're not here to win the training day. There you go. Right. So I'm not looking for perfection along the all across the board. I'm not. I may switch gears and say, you know. Uh, We were working on marks, but now we're working on sitting still and you don't even get to pick up a mark today. Like I threw one for Hunter yesterday and he didn't even pick it up because for Hunter, it was not a hard mark. He didn't need to go get it. He needs to sit still and and he doesn't like he didn't even move. But it's like, come on here. No, here, let's go. You know, so it's like in those moments, having the clarity in the brain to say, you know, what's our ultimate goal? Where are we going? How do we get there? And if something arises, tackle it, work on it, move through it, and then revisit what your ultimate goal was in that session or whatever it may be. But it's a, it is a long journey. It's, it's the cliche marathon, not a sprint. You know, take things in stride, move slowly, move with purpose, think through what's going on state i mean there were plenty of times i wanted to be impatient today oh yeah and there were plenty like i di- wasn't always patient but it wasn't like the next dog i pulled out back to clear and, right like
1: that's and i told you that was the biggest takeaway like you know you're telling me like i don't think that you saw the best dog work yesterday and today and i'm like man i, I learned plenty honestly yeah. and you're like it, what i'm like that's the biggest takeaway i took from watching you work these dogs where you have 20 something dogs out here And the fact that you did not let one dog bleed into the next, you did not automatically assume because this dog, you know, sucked at it for this reason that the next dog gets a buy because of whatever. Mm -hmm. You treated each individual dog as their own individual dog. And you were able to help a certain dog in a certain way. Then the next one, it's like, no, you you know better than this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to help you, but it's going to be in a different light. And that's what I love coming in person training with guys like you and, and all these other trainers and people that I'm getting to know in in this world, because that's the stuff that you don't see in videos, right? Yeah. That's, you can't show that it, it's 20 something dogs. You can't show that all day. And, yeah, and well, the you, fact that it'd be boring to watch, like, like you said, <laughs> I can't imagine sat through it all. It, well, some dogs, like, you know, like you were just describing, you know, got under your skin. It's just like, Oh man, you know, better than this. I can't believe you're doing this to me. The next dog come completely clean swat. Like you did not take your emotions from that previous dog into the next one. Yeah. And to me, like that is that was a very eye opening thing to watch because I know me, if I'm in that <laughs> yeah. moment, I'm got gonna I to gotta run. go take a break. Sure. And, and you can't do that when you have twenty something dogs on the truck that you got to get through.
0: Yeah. No, you don't. And I, sometimes I do, but now for the most part, you just take a deep breath. It, it's again, I'm not trying to win today yeah so if it had a rough day today, tomorrow's a new day you know yeah. I'll recalibrate in my brain what what they're struggling on. I might set something up completely different for that dog tomorrow than everyone else so that she can get a several win. days of not rest meaning doing nothing but a rest from difficult yeah let her go feel good again let her get going again and then bring in a little bit more challenge. I probably just threw her to the wolves a little bit.
1: Today. You got to build her back up, and now. then
0: build her back up, and then next time I'm thinking, oh, this is a good time to also pull her out. I'll be like, yeah, you know, yeah. she'll run these two, not the middle ones or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? And people don't know what we're talking about, I guess, in that instance. But if we just did this left one and the right one, and not try to split the middle, yeah, probably would have been a lot better. um So I just I I'm constantly moving and shaking and thinking and trying and trying to do my best not always right there but i'm trying
1: well then that's all we can ask of anybody working sure. their dogs that's all we can ask of ourselves is do your best yeah and try and improve and that that's really that's all i try and do is get the knowledge and try and get better in some yeah. way shape or form every day
0: yeah absolutely man well i appreciate you uh You brought all your gear, so this is basically your show. Um, (laughs) But I appreciate you coming on. Um, Tell everybody where they can find your podcast, social media, um, and get a hold of you to... To yeah, learn more
1: uh i mean we're everywhere that podcasts are if you just search gundog at yourself on apple spotify stitcher wh- whatever you listen to podcasts on we're, we're there gundog It yourself uh social media instagram facebook uh under gundog It yourself and uh we're brand new to youtube we got a couple uh hunt films out there um,
0: uh, i will give you a plug your grouse video with nick larson was awesome
1: i i appreciate that 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 was, uh, we didn't even know what we were doing going into the woods, but I'm very, very pleased with how that turned out. And I give pretty much most of the credit to Nick Larson because he's just a hell of a grouse hunter. And I was just there fidgeting with a camera. But ultimately, it was a lot of fun capturing that hunt. I got to, I love that my dog was on the ground and, and I got to capture that whole sequence. I got some good buddies out there for their first grouse hunt. So if anybody wants to know what an actual rough grouse hunt looks like, with the dogs, you know, you, you YouTube grouse hunting, you can get everything from road hunting to whatever. But, uh, you know, I'm trying to do some of these hunt films in a little different manner. Uh, and yeah, man, we're just going to kind of see where this video space goes. We have a lot of big plans, whether we can make them kind of come to fruition or not. We'll see, but, uh, we're excited. So if anybody's kind of into YouTube and, and that sounds intriguing to them, look us up under that again, Gun gundog yourself and you'll, you'll find us
0: awesome man well thank you so much for being a part of this episode thanks for all that you do uh for us here and i appreciate it and i'll see you i guess and he's coming to new york and sometime in may so yeah. we'll, do it, we'll do it again
1: yeah we'll just circle back and do it again and i, I appreciate you entertaining me, man i know you're a busy guy and uh making time to you know entertain me and show me <laughs> show me the retrieving world i i enjoyed it man it's, it's been a blast me too thanks bud
0: hey do me a solid if you enjoy the show if you enjoy our instagram if we've helped you at all join patreon.com forward slash lone duck outfitters if you do it before september of 2023 you're going to enter to win a hunt with me and kevin and a bunch of other patreon members down in missouri we're going to smack some ducks have some fun do a seminar with our dogs and have a great time but jump into patreon.com forward slash lone duck outfitters links in the description and join the community that helps me help you help your dog.